0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So, okay, my, my Twitter feed is a complete and total dumpster fire right now. I mean, that's I, I, I can take the hit on that. It's fine. It's, it, it, it'll go away. It's not real life. I'll, I'll walk away from, from the show. I'll go have a cigar. Everything will be totally fine. I mean, completely and totally fine. Remember, Twitter's not real. Social media's not real. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.Locals.com. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. One day closer uh, to uh, putting together the date and time for a meet and greet. Down in Bloomington, where we're heard on WGCL, and good to be with you guys. And, of course, it's okay to be angry. About Bernie Sanders, that live event is coming. I'm I'm working feverishly on finding the right place and getting the time and getting it all together. Can't wait to make that happen. There might be a little tour out of that as well. Social media is not real. However, there are things that happen on social media that people believe are real. And conversations that happen on social media that have no basis or bearing in reality but people utilize social media to make it so. If, if you ever wondered why is it that social media didn't put newspapers out of business or, or media out of business, and we should be clear, they didn't. Certainly newspapers are on their heels. Certainly we're seeing problems, but they're not out of business. CNN and, and MSNBC are not out of business. They weren't put out of business. What they did was they saw how social media can make their business easier. What they learned is that they can take a tweet or two tweets or a Facebook post or an Instagram post or or a, or a TikTok video or something else and they can create a narrative around that. Look at what this person who has nine followers said. Look at what this person who you've never heard of before had to say. Look at what these three people said about somebody you never heard of, about a subject you don't know anything about on social media. And then they can bring in their panel and they can talk about whatever it is they actually want to talk about in terms of pushing narrative. The thing wasn't a news story. Because none of those tweets were actually newsworthy, nor did they come from people who were in the know or in the public eye, and therefore you could argue are newsworthy people. But rather, they were three tweets that allowed a producer somewhere to write a story to move the narrative that they want to move so they can then bring in the panel to share that narrative or attack what other people said about the narrative to further move it. And that's what they learned. They learned that they could manipulate the social media to their own desires for furthering their messaging. Now, this has been going on with my messages. I should say my tweets. They're utilizing messaging to try and manipulate what it is that I've said. I'll I'll try and explain it. In Indiana, the ACLU of Indiana has decided to go all in on what i consider to be the abuse of children when this in this conversation about transgender in this conversation about whether a child can decide their gender and somehow decide their own medical future it, it's it's horrific that the aclu of indiana seems to be on the side of children making these kinds of decisions when children have no capacity or ability to make these kinds of decisions. As a matter of fact, thinking that a child can decide their own medical future is in and of itself abusive. A child's going to have an abortion and not inform parents. Cleaving away the parent from the child is a horrific idea. If you want to argue, well, sometimes it's the parent who's responsible. My gosh, that is a horror on horror on horror. There may be a special circumstance, but you want to make it the standard, and the answer is no. That's radical, radical to try and pull the, the child away from the parent. And I have serious, serious questions about the kind of people who will do such a thing and want to do such a thing. Well, we're seeing it again when we're talking about the idea of children. Are just, they're just trying to be who they really are, and sometimes the parents aren't supportive. So you can't let parents know when children choose different pronouns. Of course you can, because this whole choosing a pronoun conversation is a precursor to the idea of children being able to make certain decisions for themselves which they cannot make. It is, in my view, about abuse. And this is about schools, for example, trying to hide that from parents abuse that they themselves may be fostering if they're pushing children to the idea of, well, you could be a different gender. Well, you could do this. Well, you could do that. Well, you can do the other. I call it abusive. I apologize to no one. If you break your nine-year-old's arm, it's abuse. If you psychologically manipulate them into thinking they're another gender, it's abuse. And if you aren't honest with them and tell them you might feel this way right now, you might very well feel this way right now, but you are born a girl and you are a girl. And you're going to have to spend some time understanding that. And you're 12. You're not going to make life decisions when you're 12. We're not going to do that. And we're your parents. And we love you more than the oxygen we breathe. But we love you. And therefore, we are not about to allow you to go about some kind of medical interdiction that will harm you. This is the conversation that I believe parents need to have and that I think is imperative that parents have. You love your children. There's no conversation about that. I agree with you that you love your children because you love your children doesn't mean you allow them to engage in medical anything. It doesn't mean you give them puberty blockers. And what is this argument, this conversation that puberty blockers are reversible You can stop taking a puberty blocker, that much is true. But what about the effects of it? If a child takes puberty blockers for three years, four years, if they take them for three years, four years, and then decide, oh, no, no, I don't want these, I'm really this or I'm really that, isn't the damage already done? There's a bone density conversation for sure. That's a real conversation. There's a question about how the body develops. For sure. You expect the body to what? Catch up and be perfectly normal? Do you know how radical that is? That you're willing to play with the experimentation, medical experimentation on children? Well, Tony, medical professionals think it's okay. Medical professionals think it's okay. Okay to keep the body from moving about its biological function as it has for the millennia. There are doctors who are totally cool with that, are there? If you want to point me to a specific circumstance where it might be medically required or medically necessary, I'll say to you, okay. If that circumstance is, well, the child believes they're a boy, that's not it. And those kids need to be protected, more often than not, from themselves. And I am am there with you. I can't believe we need legislation about this stuff. But holy cow, these people who want to abuse children really ain't afraid of making it front and center in their lives. And they come at me, and they tell me I'm not treating kids well. I'm the one harming kids because I'm the one who doesn't believe in gender-affirming care. How wrong these people are. And some of these people I actually like, but they're wrong. And what they believe is caring and kindness is not. These are children we're talking about. I'm never discussing adults. When an adult makes this claim of being a, a different gender, I, I say, okay, I don't necessarily understand it, but I don't have to understand it, right? That's the, that's the key. I may not necessarily think it's normal. I don't have to. They're adults, and they can make decisions for themselves. Children cannot. Well, the parent is involved. We don't allow children to be abused. As a society, we got to stand up and say no. We have to stand up and say enough of this. And I have been absolutely unafraid to speak about these things. I'll take on all the comers all the time. I'm just not going to sit quietly. When young women are told they have to take a back seat to a boy who says they're a girl and plays in their sport, the answer is no. You want to make claim to being a girl? I don't even think you get to do that. But you can do that because I don't know if I can stop you. But you don't get to compete against girls. We interviewed Riley Gaines while we were at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. It is, of course, wrong that Leah Thomas swims with these women. Leah Thomas is a man might call himself Leah. Feel free to call yourself anything you want. I've never once questioned someone changing their name. You're just not a woman. Leah Thomas is not now nor will ever be a woman. Declaring you're a woman does not make you a woman. And I don't know why it is that the conservative radio guy is the one defending women and is the real feminist in the room. But yet, here I am. In the same way, I seem to be the only person out there actually defending gay men and lesbian women and those who are bisexual because the L, G, and B has nothing to do with the T. Zero. And the idea that the L, the B, and the G are okay with the T? No, that's not necessarily true. Stop lumping them in as a bunch of letters because, well, they do that, by the way, because it's a political movement. It's a political movement, and they won't allow somebody who's gay to say, well, I'm not down with kids, having that done to kids. You're going to tra- engage what, surgery on a, on a 12-year-old? Are you out of your mind? Of course there are gay men and gay women who believe exactly that. But what do we hear? The LGBT plus community, that's what you're attacking. Oh, kiss off anybody who would say that about me. Let me say it again. If you're in Indiana or anywhere else and you think I'm attacking the LGBT community, you're a ridiculous child. Sit down and be quiet. I'm discussing protecting children from themselves and yes, from those people who want to abuse them. And you better damn well believe there are way too many people out there who want to abuse kids. And listen to the the statements they make in order to try to prove that it's okay to abuse kids. This, this was pretty interesting. This uh, guy named Ben, Ben Bremen, who has since uh, uh, been putting things out, uh, sending me stuff on Twitter. What a, what a, I, I think his last one was, was I smoke, I drink, and I'm fat, and I'm angry, and therefore I'm, I'm gonna have a heart attack. He, he's, a, he's a peach, by the way. He's all about the Kindness. Far more children are molested by their trusted church members than there are children mutilated by gender surgery. Where is that discussion? Save the kids, right? He then followed it up with a like a like a screenshot of like nine different pastors, I guess they are. I don't know if it's it's true or not, who were arrested for abusing children. What Ben fails to, to understand. What Ben fails to to recognize is that Ben has proven my point. Children should not be abused, and we should stop the abusers. I would think to rational people that includes arrest and charging them with a crime. So when you send me nine people... Who were youth pastors or this or that or whatever, who were abusing children, sexually abusing children, they've been arrested. You know what I say? Woohoo! Good job, law enforcement. Way to go. Nicely done. What do you, what do you, what do you, you're trying to make an anti religion hit, you're trying to make a Christianity slam right there that's because you ben are, are the hateful cat i proved it with your tweet about me i proved it about what you're saying about uh kids here you're trying to defend the mutilation of children by saying look at what some pastor did if the pastor got arrested that's exactly what should happen and what should happen to people who attack children or abuse children or mutilate children then there's Barbie Hines. And by the way, I don't know if these are real people. I assume they're bots of some kind or other people who create fake accounts to then go after me. Like like I'm, it, it's clear that we are really starting to make headway with, with, with people we're starting to really connect and they're very concerned about what we say on the show guys they're concerned about how we're connected they're concerned about how we share ideas and thoughts and how we talk and that we talk so often and so honestly and so clearly and so unabashedly and that we are able to engage a conversation about decency that these are kids who are engaged in a real level of confusion they shouldn't be cast aside and the adults Who seem to want to prey upon that confusion. We can we can have both conversations at the same time. Which brings us to this woman, Barbie, who also made the same point as Ben. Are you saying we should keep kids out of Catholic and evangelical churches? It's it's amazing how these two people had the same exact type of tweet conversation as if almost it was written down somewhere but she continues gender affirming care for children does not include surgery but you already know that well as we know vanderbilt university was engaging surgeries on children including what they referred to as top surgeries and they were discussing how it was really profitable so yes The surgery is happening for gender-affirming care. By the way, the term gender-affirming care, so Orwellian and creepy. And we should also note that even if it didn't include surgery, but it includes puberty blockers, we're talking about chemically altering children. I share these with you. Oh, somebody else um, uh, said, because I believe that children should be protected, right? We love our children, so we want to protect our children. They said, Tony Katz finally believes in getting rid of guns. What? What? What What are you talking? You ever notice that they're always after the things that are in the Constitution? The Second Amendment... Uh, allows uh, the right to keep and bear arms, even though I was born through nature and nature's law with the right to protect and defend myself, including the ones I love, which is why I carry a firearm everywhere I go. They're always trying to engage some level of manipulation. They always want to try and twist the story. And the reason I bring this up is so you don't get it twisted. You shouldn't. The idea that somehow you are indecent for wanting to protect children is nonsense. The idea that somehow you are rude or violent because you don't think children should be allowed or should be treated, should be allowed to do this stuff, should be treated this way, you're not. That you're somehow the enemy because you're keeping children from being who they really are. None of that is true because they are who they really are. And they can go about living their lives any way they see fit. But you don't let children abuse themselves. You protect them from themselves. And I'm embarrassed that not more people are willing to do this. But I will not stop. And I would ask that you not stop. And now that you know how to respond to some of their madness on social media, feel free to respond. And then keep speaking out. I'm Tony Katz. (laughs) So as easily predicted, Vice President Mike Pence, former Vice President Mike Pence, wants to block the subpoena he's got from the DOJ. And to do that, uh, he is utilizing the speech and debate clause. And what he is arguing is that in his role there on January 6th, of course, that's what they want to hear testimony about, that he is not there as vice president he is there as president of the senate and as president of the senate in article 1 i believe it's section 6 that the senators and representatives in all cases except treason felony and breach of the peace be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses and in going into and returning from the same, and for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. Now, one could argue that it was indeed breach of the peace. But he's making the argument that I was in my official capacity, and you don't get to ask me any questions. I honestly don't know if that's going to fly. I said it then, and I say it now. I don't actually think it's going to fly. I think he is going to eventually have to testify, but this is what Mike Pence is doing. He's uh, referring uh, to this as unconstitutional, unprecedented, and saying you can't actually ask me to testify. You cannot compel it. I, I am covered here by the speech and debate clause. we we'll find out if he's right. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz Today. So there are a lot of takes on the videos that Tucker Carlson has released regarding January 6th. And the videos are not things he invented. The videos come from the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, and the left, yes, is extremely angry that these videos got released. You would think that these would be videos that they shared with us, through the January 6th committee, but no, those were selected videos. These videos seem to bring into question a lot of the things we were told by the very truthful, totally transparent January 6th committee, Tony Katz. Tony Katz, today, guys, it's good to be with you. And yes, uh, the totally truthful, totally transparent January 6th committee, that that is called sarcasm, and and now you know. You, you You can teach it now to your children. The videos show a different story. And you can argue, well, why in the world did Tucker Carlson get them? Well, who should have gotten them? If they were given to the New York Times, you wouldn't see them. If they were given to the Washington Post, you wouldn't see them. We would be told that they reviewed them for our safety. They're not showing them to us for our safety. And they conclude that the January 6th committee is correct. That's what they would say. But we've seen them. And some of the things we've seen lead to a lot of questions, Rob O'Donnell joins me right now. He is the host of the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio 103.1. He is also a senior contributor for Law Enforcement Today. He served as a police officer in New York City as a detective. I, I do believe, and Rob, good, good to see you, or I should say, good to uh, be with you. Good to have you here. Um, one of the videos. One of the big videos that we saw that Tucker Carlson released uh, yesterday on Fox News shows this guy, the shaman, right? Everyone calls him the shaman, the Viking, whatever, whatever it is you want to call him. The guy in cosplay, the big, the the big, big uh, <laughs> photos and videos that everybody had seen. Except he isn't attacking anybody. He isn't screaming and yelling. He's walking through the halls of Congress with police officers kind of giving him a tour, almost as if they're guiding him. Certainly they're following him or they're with him. There's a moment where he walks through nine different police officers just standing there, and nobody stops him. As a law enforcement officer, as a guy who's done this, what was the methodology going on here? And is this video that we see that you saw, is that telling only part of a story, and we should be taking a look at another part of it? Or does this show a serious problem as you
1: see it? Well, uh, it's a little of both, Tony, and thanks for having me. Um, What we heard from the January 6th committee was the narrative. What we are seeing now from these unedited clips of video surveillance from the Capitol are the truth and facts of what happened that day. And what I'm seeing, and you are correct, he he was basically walking around, police everywhere, uh, and this is just one video because he was pretty much the the poster child for this this, um, trespass. happened because that's what i'll call it 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 was it was a mild riot at best yes there were some abhorrent parts of what happened that day but not what they made it this is not an insurrection this is not an overthrow of the government this is not uh, a a destruction of the capital this was simple trespass uh by by the few that that they've arrested and what you see here is that other side of the coin that this was not that insurrection it was not that violent uh takeover that they tried to portray it to be you know it was basically a lack of leadership on law enforcement's part there was obviously uh, obvious no supervision for the capitol police and the police that were there there were no standing marching orders on what to do and how to handle this and there was no preparation and that falls directly on the speaker of the house the sergeant arms and the chief of the capitol police
0: now i want to make sure we're clear about a first part before we get into the second part we're not making the argument that there wasn't violence on January sixth. There was clearly violence on January sixth. Correct. Right. Correct. No doubt. Just it's people will say, "Oh, you're saying this, so you're pretending this didn't happen." There is no pretending here, because now we get into the part two. What is it that the Capitol police were told? If you're what you as as somebody who has lived through it, you're watching that. These are officers that were told to stand down. These were officers told not not to interact, not get in the way. What do you think that order was based on what you saw?
1: If that there was no orders whatsoever on what to do, and they were left to their own device to basically manage it as they could. And basically, these were nonviolent people that you see walking. I mean, the shaman, not a single video shows him acting violently, acting destructively through there. So you know, are they to throw him down on the ground and start? the violence? Uh, no, that's not their marching orders. Their marching orders, especially in a place like the Capitol in Washington, DC, are to use as least force as necessary. He wasn't damaging any property, he wasn't doing anything rather than walking around. That's what I'm seeing from him. But if you cue to other videos that have been shown, they show the, the a video from the outside of the Washington DC Special Operations Division. Now, these are, this is the specialized unit who is called in to handle crowd control. They showed up two hours late. And the, the officers are talking amongst themselves on body camera saying we were set up. They knew this was going to happen. They set us up. Let them take the building. And, and, and that's very telling because it was. If, if, if they knew, We know they knew well ahead of time that there were going to be crowds there, that they were possibly marching to the Capitol. And why weren't the assets in place to deal with it? The Washington, D.C. Special Operations Division, who, who works – hand-in-hand hand with the Capitol Police very regularly, they train together, are saying, we hear them saying on video that they were set up, that they, they knew this was going to happen, and we were called in late purposely. Wait, wait, wait. Who set them up? As for the officer, he uh, sounds like he's talking about the, the Speaker, the Sergeant-at-Arms, and the Capitol Police, because that's the chain of command for security at the Capitol. The Speaker of the House is the top honcho as far as security and safety goes. The Sergeant-at-Arms answers to the Speaker of the House and the Capitol Police Chief answers to the Sergeant-at-Arms and the Speaker of the House.
0: Talking to Rob O'Donnell, Senior Contributor for Law Enforcement Today, host of the Rob O'Donnell Show and WILK. Uh, One of the other conversations, of course, was the idea that Brian Sicknick, Officer Brian Sicknick, was uh, killed on January 6th. He did pass away the next day from what we're told is a stroke and there's video of him walking around the Capitol uh, that day. And uh, very often people wonder, well, did the events of January 6th lead to his death? And we have certainly seen that an event one place can lead to someone's death in another place. I think when people see this video, it's like, you don't care that Brian Sicknick died. I, I do care that officer Sicknick died, but it's important to note, what he died of, it it, it, it it does it seem to you to be a distinction without a difference, or there is a distinction?
1: Well, I'll go with what the medical examiner said is that he died from natural causes. You know that's the official as a former homicide detective, that's what I have to go by. you know if it was a court case, that's what I would have to go by here is taking that for granted. Now, I'm not saying the stress of the situation or everything could have contributed to that. But he did not die at the Capitol like the Democrats, like the president himself tried to portray.
0: So now we come to to the next phase of of all of this. Man, you and I have both been around long enough and and both come from different worlds. Me, the more activist side of things, you, the law enforcement side uh, uh, of things. But we know that if these are the videos that Tucker Carlson is starting with, These aren't the oh-my-gosh videos. These are not actually the wow videos. These are only the appetizers. These are the potato skins waiting for the Hawaiian steak that's coming as your entree. It looks as if the January 6th committee, no matter what Adam Kinzinger says, and he is referring to Tucker Carlson as, as a liar, he's referring to Speaker McCarthy as a liar, it seems that the January 6th committee didn't give us a full and complete story. So, the question before us is what do we, th- I mean, there's the speculation of what we think is coming in these videos. Is there something that you would be looking for that could be utilized a, as an exoneration tool for some people who still may be in custody or as a moment of why did the Capitol Police allow this? Is there something you're specifically looking for?
1: Yeah, and I've already identified it, and I've already posted it on my Twitter account. You could follow me at O'Donnell underscore R. All this video that Tucker Carlson is posting is discovery evidence for every single J six defendant that has already been tried and convicted, and is waiting trial, and some of them are still being held. This is just their, their their portrayal in the prosecution state state in in Washington D.C. to to prosecute these defendants, and I think there's almost a thousand of them altogether that they've identified. This is discovery evidence that hasn't been turned over, which, which is illegal. This is evidence they had to show though this wasn't a violent insurrection inside. Now, I'm not saying you cannot arrest people for assault and there's proof of that outside, but as a whole, regardless, this is evidence showing the other side of this that should have been allowed to every defense attorney for every J6 that, that has already been tried or is awaiting trial. And on addition to that, we're finding out that the J6 committee including Kinzinger and Liz Cheney who allowed this to happen, took silent audio and added screams and sounds and crowds to the background of it. Now that's manipulating official evidence during a a house committee hearing, which I am assuming has some, some, some rules and regulations on what you can do because everyone who testified there was under oath, So why wouldn't the committee themselves have to follow that same truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth mantra, and standard of American law enforcement and American judicial system during their committee hearing where they obviously manipulated these videos to make them sound more devious than they were.
0: And it is, it, it's always imperative to remember that what we got from the January 6th committee, no matter what Adam Kinsinger, Representative Kinsinger calls it, uh, there was there was no um, cross examination. There was no rebuttal. There were no questions. That is that what we saw was not a hearing. What we saw was not a court of law. What we saw when you hire a a Hollywood showrunner to produce your hearings, it was indeed a show, and it was meant for the show. Which means that this committee, Rob. Never once thought these other videos would see the light of day. They never wanted them to see the light of day. I will admit to you that I'm amazed they didn't get destroyed. I am amazed. Has anybody come to you and discussed whether whether you're accurate uh, on your uh, thought of how these legal proceedings might go? And does this mean that there are police officers amongst the Capitol Police who possibly perjured themselves in their testimony to the January 6th committee or in conversations in other places, which might mean a total overhaul of the Capitol Police?
1: Well, if you look at the individuals, I think there's four altogether that testified. There were two Capitol Police officers and two D.C. police officers. Fanon was one of them. You know, he's the most recognizable. He was seen with Nancy Pelosi and on Don Lemon. Uh, When they were testifying, I noticed something very, and I was reached out to many people in the Capitol Police chain of command and the D.C. that I have friends with. Contacts reached out to me. No one in those departments, they, they had very bad reputations in their departments to begin with. They were loners. You know, Officer Fanon, who's the D.C. cop who, who, who basically embellished his record uh, saying he was in the narcotics division. He worked here. He was thrown out of the narcotics division in a week because he couldn't play well with others. Um, you know, these officers, they, they, the, Nancy Pelosi and the J6 commu, uh, committee, portrayed these officers as speaking for these police agencies no they're not they were loners that these agencies distanced themselves from from day one their leadership their chiefs never supported them in any statements. never came out public and said they backed them these officers were out there on their own for their own benefit for their own futures
0: rob o'donnell uh, b- before I, I let you go man and i and i appreciate it um do you expect to see changes in the Capitol Police, will the release of these videos lead to some type of reckoning, whether that comes from the Capitol Police uh, by itself or via the Speaker? Because the, I'm assuming that the Speaker of the House, and you've been studying this, has the ability to make some level of change.
1: He does. And the, the, the easiest way to explain this is there's a new sheriff in town with, town with Speaker McCarthy. He is in charge of the Capitol Police now. Uh, with a new sergeant at arms, and and hopefully they see what went on here, and they allow, now, Now I know many Capitol Police officers, they're a very good agency, they deal with stuff a lot, they were just left to their own out there with zero leadership, zero direction, and zero orders on how to handle this, because they wanted something like this to happen, because this, I mean, just look at the past year and a half, this is all they talked about, January 6th, and and this is how they got past the midterms. Now that the midterms are done, now that we've taken the house, now that the shoe's on the other foot and we have these videos, you see how the narrative's changing to, oh, my God, this was an overthrow of the government. to Oh, you guys are lying. These videos are taken out of concept. Well, let the people watch these videos and let the people decide, and then we'll see where 2024 goes.
0: Exactly. My argument indeed and to watch the dismissiveness of these and Chuck Schumer Senator Schumer of New York today uh, it's uh, the the expression is "Me me think thou doth protest too much I believe that is the phrase that should be running around the head Rob O'Donnell I appreciate you taking the time to be with us O'Donnell underscore R on Twitter if you want to follow him more to get to I'm Tony Katz you get what you vote for I don't think anybody is surprised by this, although some people are sometimes surprised by this. Joe Biden wants to increase taxes, all to boost funding for Medicare. Expand the program. We're going to negotiate this and we're going to do that. But first, you will pay more. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Medicare is more than a government program. It's the rock solid guarantee that Americans have counted on to be there for them when they retire. But what if it's not affordable? I mean, it, it, it can't be continued. It, it, it can't be sustainable. It's not sustainable. That's another word for it. But yeah, we can't afford as a nation to keep this thing going. What happens at that moment? Do we say, oh, well, too bad? And that seems to be the answer. The answer is we have to keep it going because we made some kind of promise. And the answer is more taxes. Now, Biden is scheduled to release his budget proposal. In Philadelphia on Thursday, I was trying to figure out why the, the, the Philadelphia push, and it could have something to do with something that I discussed on Locals a few weeks ago, tonycats.locals.com. that the political left has given up Ohio for Pennsylvania, and they mean it. They believe that it's worth, uh, they've got New York, they've got California, they lock uh, Pennsylvania, they can afford to give up Ohio and figure that sometimes could go in their favor and maybe make their pushes in places like Florida and hope for the best in an electoral vote. That's what it looks like to me. One man's uh, opinion and position. Maybe that's why this is happening in Pennsylvania. The Medicare tax rate would rise from 38 to 5% on incomes exceeding 400000 a year, including salaries and capital gains, gains, and he refers to it as a modest increase. Well, of course it's modest. It's not happening to you. It's happening to everybody else. Of course it's a, a modest increase, when it's happening to somebody else. This is their plan. You pay your fair share. They have costs they can't handle. Medicare is not sustainable, and so the answer is you pay more. The expression shouldn't be you get what you pay for. The expression should be you get what you vote for. Find everything tonycats.locals.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.